search methods. Hello and welcome to the Research Methods podcast of the Management Center Innsbruck. I'm your host, Dr. Eugene Bogristov. This is a short episode on the implicit association test, because I think we have to finish our short series on the implicit association test as a method with a way how to create it and how to analyze it using the plugin I like pretty much. I have already referred to this plugin. It is called the IAT Gen, and you can find it on the website iatgen.org. And they have also the very good website itgen.wordpress.com where you can read about the method. What, what I did, they also developed the tool which can help you to develop your own IAT test and the tool which can help you evaluate the data from the developed IAT test. If you want to develop, you go to this itgen.wordpress.com and there is the shiny app link which you can click and you have the three tabs above. The first one is setup, the second one is to analyze the IAT and then how to cite this IAT gen plugin. I go through these two tabs, the first, the first two tabs, the first one is if you want to create an IAT, you have to give it a name, let's say this is the first IAT, then you have to select the attributes and you have to decide will it be words or images. It can be, you can use both word and images for the attribute stimuli type and then you have to also introduce the target A and target and B stimuli type. So you can compare words against pictures, words against words, pictures against pictures, so it's up to you. Then you give the attribute name, let's say the positive and attribute and negative attribute and we decide to go for words and then you let's say the positive attribute name we give it cute and then we give also the types of stimuli you click on the button add and you say the cute is nice kind um, pretty and these are the words we would like to use as the words for the attribute type cute then we go to the negative attribute name which is ugly and you also add like scary or fearful and ugly and other words and then you go to the target A name, which is, for example, a dog, and we use the pictures, and you upload here the links to the pictures of dogs. And target B, you write cats, and you upload the links to the pictures of cats. It means you need to have a server where you can upload your pictures and you just import them using the, uh, the links. I just bought a cheap uh, hosting somewhere I think in Ukraine and I uploaded the pictures it is not so big I don't have so much space on this hosting but anyway I just need some megabytes for 10 pictures which we used in our study and then you click on the button download Qualtrics survey file and this will automatically create all you need to run in Qualtrics and then you go to Qualtrics you can import the questionnaire, you import this QSF file and theoretically you will receive your nice and shiny IAT test. Of course you have to add something, you have to add your demographics question, you have to add a good explanation. If you run this test in German or if you run this test in any other language, you have to make an explanation, let's say in Ukrainian or in German, that all the participants can read through it. I didn't find a way how to change the text on the pictures which I showed because there is also text with the explanation, but I just left it in English and then you have, let's say, the Ukrainian explanation and the English text and then you run your experiment. 
When you are done, you download your file, the results of your test from Quartrix as CSV, and you go back to the online tool iitgen.org, and this time you go to the second tab, which is called Analyze IIT. Here you can browse the file and enter the CSV file, and this will automatically work. This nice tool will recognize its own CSV file and this will calculate statistics for you. You have two things to take care of. You have also advanced settings and it's really good if you go through this because do not use the defaults. You have to change it. For example, the error penalty. You usually have to introduce the error penalty. I did once with 300 milliseconds and with 600 milliseconds, but you have to introduce the penalty. If people are wrong, you have to make a penalty for this. Otherwise, those people who chaotically click through different options, they will be, of course, the best one on, on average. Um, then uh, you can also indicate here that you would like to drop trials with excessive time, because if, if it takes too much time to decide, it means that somebody made it consciously and uh, not in an automatic way, and we need this automatic response. We want to measure the implicit, not the explicit bias. That's why it's good if you drop uh, trials, and I think 10,000 milliseconds is fine, but you can go for 6,000 milliseconds. Uh, I also recommend you to drop trials with two short response time. I would go for 400 or 250 milliseconds, just because uh, these are the responses people who sit and click uh, just codically on different tasks or do it mistakenly, but correct, and you can sort these people out. Finally, we have to drop participants with proportion of two short response times. There are always people who make too many mistakes and probably they were not so uh, high in attention. Can you use their data? You can, but they will probably have to skew your data and make the data not correct, biasing it. That's why these are the things which you can uh, do, uh, which you can set in the advanced settings tab. Then you upload your file and uh, you receive a nice table with the number of participants who completed the IAT. And let's say you made it with 50 people, then you have the timeout trade. Those people, um, proportion of trials dropped due to excessive duration and all other stuff. I think it's pretty self-explainable what they did. It is good to look at this data and it is also good to report this data because you can see that there are too many people dropped. It means that something was wrong and people could not attend the test or they started and they gave up or they didn't receive a good explanation, didn't know what to do. And the high trial drop rate is the first indicator that you did something wrong. Maybe you have to go through your test one more time and send it to other people. The error rate is good because you see how many of your users really take care of the test and do their best or just sitting clicking something. This will help you if you, for example, send this test using the Amazon MTurk or something like this. I seldom had luck with Amazon MTurk and uh, the IAT because the error rate was just enormous. Uh, by the reliability, it's interesting how they calculate. They make a split half uh, Sperman-Brown correlation. They split the trial into half and they see the correlation in how consistent they are. And the reliability is, of course, a great example to show how good your test is. And the left column is more about how good the test was. The second column is about the real results of the test. You have the D-score and D-score standard deviation. And the D-score is actually, if it is positive, it speaks for the target A, and uh, if it is negative score, it speaks for target B. So 
I would say it is the congruent versus the incongruent condition or consistent versus inconsistent condition. If you assume that dogs are associated with cuteness and cats with ugliness, then this is your congruent condition. The incongruent condition will be if you find that dogs are actually faster associated with ugliness and cats with cuteness. This would be the inconsistent condition. It means if you run tests like this with the pictures of dogs and cats and with the words of cuteness and ugliness and you have the positive score, it means that your theory holds and dogs are indeed associated with cuteness more than cats associated with cuteness. If you have negative score, it's vice versa, it means the incongruent or inconsistent condition holds. Standard deviation is important to know because there are different people and the lower the standard deviation, the better the scores. Uh, it means that you are more or less very good, very uh, well equipped in your results. You have the t-test, which is the statistics test and shows in how much uh, the groups differ. You have degrees of freedom, uh, you have the p-value, and p-value can be calculated based on the t-test statistics, so if the p-value is below 0.05, you are good, it means you have the statistically significant results, which means that if you repeat this test one more time and one more time, the results will be the same. So it's not about the power, it's about the probability that if you repeat this test with the same settings, the result will be the same. And finally, we have the confidence interval, which is also a good statistic to know. Uh, if there is no zero in the range between the low-level confidence interval and the upper-level confidence interval, then you're good. Finally, you have the coins D, which is a specific type of D-score, and um, if I'm correct, in the one case, you take care about the standard deviation of, the, of each user, because you know that there are some people who, let's say, are faster in understanding what they see and clicking the computer, and those who are slower, and uh, there can be a, a kind of too much difference in the standard deviation, that is why I told you standard deviation matters. You can standardize this course by introducing the standard deviation into the calculation. Those who are faster, they will get a bit slower, so in the standardized score, and those who are slower, they will get a bit higher score, and then you can make groups really comparable with each other. What exactly you need for your research paper? You have to report the data on quality of the, uh, of the questionnaire, it means the error rate, reliability, and you have to report D-score and D-score standard deviation, um, t-test, decrease of freedom, p-values, you can report confidence intervals, you can report coins D, I think these two are seldom reported uh, within IIT, but you can do it. Uh, do not forget to report the settings you use, for example, that you also use the error penalty and you dropped the participants who uh, were too slow in their response. I hope it helped you with your implicit association test. I hope you can now analyze and report data better. If you would like to see how we reported data, look in our paper where we compared Duchenne smiles against the fake smiles and the different types of psychological distance. The small issue which I noticed with this plugin is that you do not receive the simple means, the milliseconds and the standard deviations in milliseconds. You receive already a D-score, which is a kind of processed information from milliseconds. And many papers, they would like to see the differences in milliseconds between the groups, not the standardized scores, but really the, the initial, the raw values. If you want to do it, you have to use not the online plugin, there is also the R plugin, which is the same. You can download it and um, you can find there that 
you can import also the additional statistics, for example, the means of the answers in milliseconds and the standard deviations. It is not so easy to do if you are not familiar with R. I spent about three days until I understood where and what to do. But those who are familiar, they just need about five minutes to find out in which file the this variable is saved and just export one additional variable. I think we're done with this episode and with the whole mini-series on the implicit association test. If you have any questions or if you would like to know something else, let me know. Uh, write me an email or write a comment in the section down below on the mci4research.podbean.com and 4 is written as number 4. Rate us on whatever app you are listening to this podcast. It does matter. I wish you all the best, good luck with your research, enjoy it, and have a nice day.